to be in, uh, start out at least in Matthew chapter 27, uh, Matthew chapter 27, and again, I thank you for coming and uh, celebrating this day with us, amen? Every Sunday is an important day because it's the Lord's Day, and it's uh, every, every, every Sunday is exciting, but there's something special about today, amen? And uh, we're going to preach, of course, uh, on the subject, and so if you find your place, stand with me together in reverence to the reading of the Word of God, Matthew chapter 27, I'll begin reading at verse 62, I'll read down to the end of uh, Matthew chapter 27. I'll read a few verses of Matthew chapter 28. The Bible says this in verse 62, Now the, the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And then verse 1 of chapter 28. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and set upon it his countenance was like lightning, and a raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said to the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. Amen. For he is risen, and as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the fact that, Lord, we can celebrate, we can sing about, we can preach about, we have hope in the fact that you are not in that grave any longer. Thank you for your resurrection. And I pray you'd meet with us today. I pray you'd speak to us through the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be active in our midst. Lord, as I pray every Sunday, if someone doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, that they would accept you today before it's eternally too late. I pray that you take the message of uh, that you've given us today out of your word and use it to help us as Christians to be better for you. We love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Dr. E. Stanley Jones, the famous missionary, wrote a charming and delightful autobiography called A Song of Accents. He tells about a, a layman, a newspaperman, and a mutual friend who were called upon to conduct a funeral service. Being an exact man, he wanted to do it properly and in the best Christian tradition. So he turned to the New Testament as the original source and example of how Jesus conducted a funeral. And he found out this, that Jesus didn't conduct funerals at all. All he dealt with were resurrections. Amen? And this morning on Resurrection Sunday here, uh, April 17th, 2022, uh, as I was uh, studying this week and praying this week, about the message that the Lord would have for, for me to bring to you. Uh, here's what the Lord impressed upon my heart. And we're going to preach about this morning this subject, the resurrections. Now you say, wait a minute, you said resurrections, as in plural. That's exactly right. And uh, because uh, it's not just one, but there's several the Bible talks about.
about. And so we're going to start, first of all, with the most important one, and that's this, His resurrection. Amen? His resurrection. And uh, you know what you're going to find when you go through all four gospel accounts? You're going to find accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not just in the gospels. You're going to find it all throughout the Scripture. You're going to find verses like this in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Acts chapter 4, verse 10, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him did this man stand here before you whole. Acts chapter 13, verse 30, But God raised Him from the dead. And on and on and on I could go, verse after verse, talking about the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of the Father. Let me say this, church. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. Without it, the believers have no hope for this life or the life to come. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said this, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. And our belief in this great teaching is not based upon some religious feeling or some unfounded idea that's been uh, discovered in the past. No, we're talking about, uh, we're not talking about an isolated rumor. We're talking about a historical fact with solid evidence to support it. In the early part of the 20th century, a group of lawyers met in England to discuss the biblical accounts of Jesus' resurrection. They wanted to see if sufficient information was available to make a case that would hold up in an English court of law. When their study was completed, they published the result of their investigation. They concluded that Christ's resurrection was one of the most uh, well-established facts of history. In this little book, uh, a man named G.B. Hardy uh, given us some thought-provoking questions about the resurrection. He said this, there's two essential requirements. Number one, has anyone cheated death and proved it? Number two, is it available to me? And here is the complete record. All right, here you go. You ready? Confucius's tomb, guess what? Occupied. Buddha's tomb, guess what? Occupied. Muhammad's tomb, occupied. Jesus' tomb, empty. Amen? Argue as you will, there's no point in following a loser. Amen? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality. Countless changed lives testify to its fact. It's not a fable. Amen? So let's talk for a few minutes about His resurrection. The first thing I want you to notice about His resurrection was that the stone could not stop His resurrection. Notice what we read uh, there in Matthew chapter 27. It says, And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and he laid it in his own a new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Now I got to thinking about that stone, and got to thinking about what that stone represents. That stone represented tradition. You see, Joseph of Arimathea was the one who put it there. The Rome didn't put it there. The soldiers didn't put it there. Joseph of Arimathea put it there. Now, I don't believe Joseph had any malicious intent on rolling that stone in place. It's just what they did when they buried a person in that kind of sepulcher. Remember back in John chapter 11, when Lazarus was raised? What did they have to do before Jesus raised him? You know what they did? They rolled the stone away. Amen? And that stone was there to say this, Hey, everybody dies. Everybody decays. Death does the same thing to every single person. But oh my friend, guess what? Jesus wasn't every single person. Amen? The traditional tomb, the traditional grave clothes, the traditional stone wasn't going to stop what was going to happen on the third day. Amen? That 
that stone couldn't stop His resurrection. Not only that, how about this? That seal couldn't stop His resurrection. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting the watch. Ooh, Rome put a seal on it so nothing could happen, all right? Just as that stone represented tradition, the seal represents governmental authority. As if to say, Rome had put the seal in the tomb saying, nobody's going to mess with this tomb. Nobody's going in. Nobody's going out. Because Rome says so. Let me say this, folks. You know what? All-powerful Rome, all-powerful Pilate weren't going to dictate to God Almighty what that seal was going to do or not do. Amen? I had to tell it to them. Actually, I'm glad to tell it to them. Amen? No form of human government will ever or can ever stop the plan of God. Rome couldn't stop the resurrection. Nero couldn't quench the burning flame of Christianity. All the governments of all the world down through the centuries have found out the same thing. God is ultimately in control. Amen? In fact, in spite of humanity snubbing its nose at the rule of the universe, He's actually using them to accomplish His will and to bring His plans to fruition. Amen? You know why? Because He's the sovereign God of the universe. That's why. Why do you think one of the titles that is going to be written on Jesus' vesture one of these days when He comes on that white horse is this, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. So no, the stone of tradition couldn't stop the resurrection. The seal of government couldn't stop the resurrection. How about this? The soldiers could not stop the resurrection. Pilate said to them, You have a watch. Go your way. You know, I think Pilate's starting to figure some things out because notice what he says. Make it as sure as you can. I think at this point, Pilate's starting to get a little nervous because Pilate had some interaction with Jesus. Pilate's wife had some dreams because of Jesus. He was marveled that he so so soon had died on the cross. And by the way, the soldiers didn't take his life. He gave his life. Amen? All right, No one took Jesus' life. He willingly gave it when it was His time to give it. I think Pilate was starting to figure it out and maybe Pilate was a little nervous. Amen? Make it as sure as you can. I think these soldiers represent the unbelievers and God deniers. In our day and age, we'd call them atheists. Or they call themselves that. Atheists, agnostic, or how about this, the enlightened ones, right? Well, folks, let me just say this. Unbelief and faithlessness, uh, by the way, isn't something new to our generation. Uh, It's as old as mankind himself. In fact, all throughout the Scripture, you know what you see? You see God deniers. You see people who mocking and and making fun of the things that the Bible talks about. Acts chapter 17, here's what the Bible says. Then certain philosophers, there you go, philosophers, all right, enlightened ones of of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered Him. talking about Paul here. And some said, what will this babbler say? Amen? You know what? They kind of look down on people who believe in God. They, they kind of think we're crazy that we have faith in something that we that we can't see. And so they start throwing terms out there like they did to Paul. Oh, he's just a babbler. Let's see what the babbler's going to say. And others, some, he, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And listen to this verse. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. By the way, you know what a lot of people do today when you talk about Jesus Christ? You talk about the God of the universe? You talk about His death on Calvary, His resurrection three days later? You know what they do? They mock. They mock. Hey, that's not new to this generation. That's been around since mankind was ever brought onto this planet. 
And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. And those soldiers represent the fact that, you know what? There's unbelievers, there's God deniers out there. Here's a letter written to a local advice column along with this response. Here's what it says. Dear Mr. Confident, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed Him back to health. What do you think? Sincerely, Bewildered. Dear Bewildered, Beat your preacher with the cat of nine tails with 39 strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his side. Embalm him. Put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours and see what happens. Seriously, Mr. Confident. Amen? Listen, folks, there's always people out there going to mock. There's always going to people be out there as a jeer. But let me just say this. I'm glad that uh, Jesus' resurrection uh, can't be stopped by those types of things. Amen. You know why? Those soldiers could not stop His resurrection. Amen. And folks, let me just say this. One of the most documented proofs in history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we talked about His resurrection. And by the way, the reason we can preach about these other resurrections is because He had one first. Amen. But that's not the only resurrection the Bible talks about. Let's talk about their resurrection. So we had His. How about this? Their resurrection. Take your Bibles. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, if you notice, I'm going to be using pronouns to introduce all these points, okay? I hate to do that to some of us, all right? I know this is Sunday, and it's not Monday through Friday, and and you young people don't have anything to do with English class, all right? But I'm going to give you some pronouns this morning. So, His resurrection, let's talk about their resurrection, amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, notice what the Bible says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, verse 13, uh, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's that resurrection again, amen? It's all throughout the Scripture. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain of the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the there that I'm talking about is referring to those that have already died or are now in heaven, and their resurrection will be the day that they get their glorified bodies at that great event known as the rapture of the church. Their resurrection. Now, let me just explain this to you. I think you get this. I think you understand this. But let me give you a biblical view of it real quick. Amen? All right? And so put your spiritual thinking hats on for just a second. You say, now wait a minute. How does that make sense? If someone is already with the Lord in heaven, and by the way, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that's what. here's what that means. People right now who are saved that die when they leave this earth, they are immediately ushered by the angels of God into the very presence of the God of heaven. Amen? And that's what the Bible says, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But you know what? That the, 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 How they're at in heaven as far as the body they have in heaven is not that eternal body that they're going to be living in for all eternity. It's, if you want to say this, it's a temporary body until the day of their resurrection. And, that, and that's called the rapture of the church. And here's what the Bible tells us about that resurrection. You know what there's going to be? There's going to be a vocal shout from heaven. Notice what it said. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. What's that shout going to be? I don't think it's just going to be some random thing. I think He's going to shout something that's going to uh, be so powerful that literally is going to open the graves and bring the bodies out of the grave. You say, there's no way that can happen. Yeah, that's what they said about Jesus walking out of that tomb too. Amen? 
Remember who we're dealing with here, folks. We're dealing with the giver of life. We're dealing with the one that the Bible says has the keys of death and hell. Amen? And if, if God says the bodies are going to come out, guess what? The bodies are going to come out. Amen? There's going to be a shout from heaven. Not only that, how about this? There's going to be a victory sound from heaven. What's that going to be? It says this, with the trump of God. Amen? The trump of God. And I'm going to tell you, there's something powerful about that about, about that trumpet. If you've ever uh, studied a little bit of Israeli history or even to this present day, they blow what's called the shofar. And the shofar is a ram's horn. And I have a friend one time who was in the presence of, uh, of a bunch of Jewish people that were putting on a Passover. And he said when they blew that shofar, you could feel it resonating through your chest because of the power of it. And folks, let me just say this. You go chase it through the Bible. Trumpets are, are, are linked with a lot of different things. But one of the things they're linked with is victory. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's a signal. And that archangel's going to shout. That trumpet's going to sound. And how about this? There's going to be a vacating sequence from heaven. Amen? From this earth. A vacating sequence from this earth. The Bible said, the dead in Christ will rise first. Amen? You say, why is the dead going first? Because they got six foot, six foot more to go. That's why. Amen? Listen, that trumpet's going to sound. That, that shout's going to happen. And guess what? They're going to experience their resurrection. Those that have, that, that have already died that are Christians and their body's going to come out of the grave. There's a cemetery in Hanover, Germany. It's a grave on which was placed huge slabs of granite and marble cemented together and fastened with heavy steel clasp. It belonged to a woman who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Yet strangely, she directed in her will that her grave be made so secure that if there was a resurrection, it could not reach her. On the marker were inscribed these words, This burial place must never be opened. In time, a seed covered over by the stones began to grow. Slowly it pushed its way through the soil and out from beneath them. As the trunk enlarged, the great slabs were gradually shifted so the steel clasps were wrenched from their sockets. A tiny seed had become a tree that had pushed aside the stones. The dynamic life force containing that little seed is a faint reflection of the tremendous power of God's creative word. Listen to me, folks, that someday will call to life the bodies of all who are in the grave. He'll also bring back every single person that's been lost at sea or even people that have been cremated or destroyed some other way. Listen, that is no problem with the power of our God. Amen? And by the faith in the risen Christ, it opens the door to the blessing and the resurrection that's guaranteed a glorious new spiritual body, a home in heaven, and one of these days that body will be reunited with the soul that's already saved with Jesus in heaven. Amen? That's called their resurrection. Man, praise the Lord for that. So you have His resurrection. You have their resurrection. Hey, how about this? Let's talk about our resurrection. Amen? Our resurrection. Back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Notice what it says in verse 17 and 18 because that's not the only resurrection that's talked about there. Notice what it says. Then we which are alive and remain. Amen. You say, preacher, I thought Paul thought he was going to be part of that group. He did thought, he did think he was going to be part of that group, but it wasn't God's plan. You say, then, why do you say are like it's going to be us? Now listen, folks, I'm not a prophet, okay? I don't set dates and I don't try to say when the date of the rapture is going to be because I don't know. And by the way, neither do you. And neither does anybody else that says they think they know. And if someone says they do know, you know what they're called? False prophet. Amen. Alright, I'm not trying to set a date, but you know what? Jesus told us we could look around and see what was going to happen right before His return. Hello! It's happening! Amen? 
It's happening. So you know what? I believe like Paul. I believe the R is referring to us. Amen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be, here's the phrase, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's talk about for a few minutes our resurrection. Amen? Our resurrection. Here's what you're going to find about this. In our resurrection, we're going to be caught away. Amen? We're going to be caught away. That Greek word for the word caught up is a word called uh, harpazo. And from that, that Greek word harpazo comes the Latin word raptura. And that's where the word rapture comes from. I've heard some people say, oh, you, you crazy Baptists, you believe in a doctrine that's only been uh, made up by somebody in the 1800s and there's not going to be this, there's not going to be that. Listen, folks, just because the word rapture is not there don't mean the principle is not there. Amen? By the way, guess what word's also not in your Bible? Bible. Right? Guess what word's also not in there? Trinity. But guess what? Those are all words that describe the principles contained within the Word. So don't get little, don't get your doctrine messed up because of something like that. Listen, folks, this idea of the rapture is clearly taught. It's called the resurrection. Amen? And listen, during this resurrection, praise God, we're going to be caught away. God's going to literally catch us up. The Bible says not only that, we'll be caught away, we'll be caught away in the clouds. Amen? We'll be caught away in the clouds. Recently, we just went to Alaska and we flew there and flew back and, and uh, we got to... Uh, if you've been in an airplane, you know what I'm talking about. Literally, feels like you could step out and walk on a cloud. Now, I wouldn't attempt it right now, just saying, amen, alright? You're not going to walk on a cloud, you're going to fall right through it, okay? But we were flying through those clouds, and they were, they, were, they were right there. They seemed like you could reach out and touch them. Hey, one of these days it's going to be a reality, amen? Because we're going to be caught up with the Lord in the clouds. Amen? Hey, if you like to fly, I hope you like to fly. And if you don't, that's okay. But one of these days you will. Amen? You'll, you'll like it. You'll like it the way God will make it happen. And not only that, we'll be, we be caught away. We'll be in the clouds. How about this? We'll be changed. Amen? We'll be changed. Take your Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I told you we're going to chase this word resurrection through the Scripture a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's another in-depth, detailed passage about this resurrection, about the rapture and what's going to happen when this happens. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I won't read the whole passage, although I'd encourage you to do that sometime. There's a lot of good truth in it. But let's beginning in verse 50. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. The Bible says this, Now this I say, brethren, by the way, you know who this is for? People that are saved. People that are saved. Brethren, Christians, you've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you want to be part of this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You know why, folks, that our bodies have to die? You know why at the rapture we have to get a new body? Because this model can't live there, that's why. This model's not made to live in eternity. This is a temporal model. Amen? By the way, aren't you glad we're getting an upgrade one of these days? Amen? It'd be like going from a Dodge to a Ford. Man, you talk about an upgrade. It's going to really be good. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Brother Mike's giving me the evil look back there. Amen? It's so funny because I actually own a Dodge and a Ford. All right? I just own a Chevy too, but uh, I just got to give somebody a hard time. That's just what I do. Amen? Now notice back to the Scripture. Man, I think the Spirit of God just left. Amen? <laughs> now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Talking about dying. Not everyone's going to die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, 
and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And aren't you glad we're going to get changed one of these days? Amen? Listen, folks, I'm thankful for this earth. I'm thankful for life on this earth. I believe life is a gift from God. Living life is a blessing from God. But listen to me, I don't want to live down here forever. Amen? These old bodies give out, don't they? I mean, come on, talking to our folks this week and uh, talking to different people, this surgery, that surgery, this health problem, that health problem. You know why we're dealing with that? Because we're living in these old temples of clay. That's why, amen. But guess what? It's not always going to be that way. One of these days we're going to get changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought past a saying that's written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know why all this can happen because 2,000 years ago Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross and three days later He arose from the grave. Amen. That's why this can happen. Amen? You know why we can have our resurrection? They can have their resurrection because of His resurrection. Now, I'll be honest with you, I really wanted to kind of stop the message there and end on a positive note, but the Spirit of God wouldn't let me alone about one more resurrection we got to talk about. I want to talk about for just a few moments this, the resurrection of many. The resurrection of many. By the way, many is a pronoun. It's called an indefinite pronoun. For you English snobs out there, okay? All right? It is. I looked it up. It's there. Take your Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Talk for just a few moments about the resurrection of many. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. The Bible says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Let me tell you something, folks. Compared to the masses of humanity on this planet, compared to the billions of people that have ever lived and will ever live that are living now, you know what the truth, sad reality is? More people go to hell than go to heaven. Because Jesus said the gate that leadeth to life is, is in this case, it's straight. Another place it's called narrow. The, the, the gate that leadeth to destruction is wide, it's broad. Notice the last phrase, and many there be which go in thereat. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 29. Listen to this verse, folks. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. Amen. And by the way, he's not talking about a works-based salvation. You know what? Do it be uh, when he talks about those that have done good, you've done good by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? And they that have done evil, you ready? Unto the resurrection of damnation. There's another resurrection the Bible talks about. It's called the resurrection of the damned. And folks, listen to me. As much as it's not a pleasant thing to talk about, I wouldn't be any kind of preacher if I didn't take a few minutes and warn you about this resurrection. And to let you know, you don't want part of this one. Amen? Take your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 20. To me, one of the most uh, sobering, and uh, eye-opening uh, passages in the whole Bible is found in Revelation chapter 20. And I want you to read here, I want to read this for you for just a few moments and, and take just a couple minutes and talk about this resurrection. 
Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. I want everyone, if you have your Bible, please turn there. I want you to see this. I'm not making this up. This isn't something out of my imagination. This is coming directly from the inspired, preserved Word of God. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Listen, folks, all those God deniers, all those atheists, all those agnostics that mock and uh, deny God, they won't be denying anything that day. And by the way, just because you don't believe in something does not make it true. Because listen, it doesn't matter what a person believes, it only matters what the truth is. You can have any perception of reality you want to have, but at the end of it, the only thing that matters is what truth is. And praise God, we have a source of truth. It's called the King James Bible. And you got it in your lap today if you have it with you. And the Bible's telling us what it's going to be like. And it says this, and, uh, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. You know what that's called? Resurrection. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. You know what that's called? Resurrection. And they that were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever, here it is folks, the most sobering verse in the Bible. This ought to be a motivation verse for we as Christians. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. All the other resurrections I preached about today were resurrections of hope, resurrections of joy, resurrections of better things to come, but not so with this one. I think one of maybe the biggest lies I hear people say at funerals is this, well, they're in a better place. Let me say this, if they didn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're not in a better place. And you can say anything you want to say, believe anything you want to believe to try to soothe your conscience, folks, but the truth of the matter is, there's only one or two places a person goes when they die. And there's only one thing that determines where they go. Amen? And they're going to go to heaven if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, or they're going to go to hell if they've rejected Christ. Amen? That's what the Bible says. And so God never intended for any person to be part of this resurrection. He didn't want anyone to be part of this resurrection. In fact, listen to me, the reason Jesus died and rose the third day was to spare mankind from this very event. But because of mankind's unbelief, because of their rejection of God's love, grace, and mercy, anybody that's rejected Christ will be part of the resurrection of the damned. And again, folks, you don't hear a lot of talk about this. Amen? A lot of preachers are, are too afraid to, to preach about it. But listen, what kind of preacher would I be if I didn't preach to you the truth about it? Amen? You know what we see about this in Revelation chapter 20? It's going to be a resurrection of justice. Again, notice what the Bible says. It says the books were opened. And another book was opened. By the way, why do you think God's making record of everything? You think it's because God has a faulty memory? Is that why you think He's making record of it? You think it's because God just might forget about something and, and maybe someone might slip through the cracks? Is that why you think He's making record of it? Let me tell you why the books are open and why God's keeping record. It's not for God's account, it's for man's account. So when mankind stands before the, the judge of the universe at this great white throne and try to make your excuses about why they did this or didn't do that, you know what? The book will be open. The record will be straight. By the way, God sees everything. We may not see. We may not know, but God sure does. 
God knows about every backroom deal. God knows about every uh, under the table things that's done that's wicked and wrong. God sees it all. And by the way, He doesn't just see it. He's making record of it. And I'm going to tell you, it'll be a resurrection of justice. As those folks, and, and my heart breaks even talking about this, preaching about it, but it's the truth. As the lost people stand before Him, and they're judged out of those books. And the Bible says, and then He opened the book of life. And if their name's not written in that book of life, folks, listen, you say, well, how's my name get written in the book of life? It gets written there the day you accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Amen? Listen, folks, again, God keeps detailed records for the bad and for the good. And again, it's not because, it's not because He doesn't know, it's for the benefit of mankind. And the Bible says that, talks about how that they'll be judged according to their works. You know, hell's, uh, the lake of fire is going to uh, be similar to, uh, you know, uh, what we have today in our justice system. Different degrees of punishment. I mean, you know, a person that, you know, gets a speeding ticket doesn't get the same uh, degree of punishment as someone who commits murder. There's different degrees based upon the crime. And you know what? There'll be different degrees of punishment in the lake of fire based upon the crime. And that's why it will be a resurrection of justice. Let me just say this, folks. I know we look around right now and it seems like evil's oversweeping the land, and it is. It seems like people are getting by with the most horrendous things. And, it's, and, and you know what? Maybe they are. But I'm going to tell you right now, nobody getting away with anything this day of judgment, amen? Because it will be a resurrection of justice. And not only that, it will be a resurrection of judgment. Judgment. No one wants to think about judgment. And again, by the way, I'm glad God's a loving God. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that He loves us and His grace and mercy are, are abundant and wonderful? And I'm thankful for that. But folks, listen to me. As much as He's a God of love, as much as He's a God of mercy, He's also a God of justice and judgment. And God will have the final say, and the judge of the universe will be righteous in declaring judgment. The Bible says, "...in death and hell were cast in the lake of fire." This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's called the resurrection of many. The resurrection of many. Now, preacher, why'd you preach this to us this morning? Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating some things. We're celebrating Jesus and what He did for us. Let me just give you two points of practical application and we'll pray and be done. Amen? Number one, you ready, church? Listen to me. Put your faith and trust in His resurrection so you can experience our resurrection. Amen? Put your faith and trust in His resurrection. The Bible says this, a, a famous passage of Scripture I quote often around here, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, listen to me now, and shalt believe in thine heart, what? That God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? You know what that's called? That's called the gospel. You know what the word gospel means? Good news. What's the good news? That mankind were sinners, that God loved sinners, Jesus Christ and came and died on the cross for sinners, and three days later He rose from the grave for sinners. Amen? And He died for us. And if we'll put our faith and trust in Him and what He did, it's called the Gospel. Guess what? The Bible says you shall be saved. Amen? You shall be saved. Listen, you're not saved by, by your works. You're not saved by the good things you do. You're not saved by if you don't do uh, too many bad things. You're not saved if you come to a church. You're not saved because of who your parents were, who your grandparents were. You know what you're saved by? Your personal belief in Jesus Christ. By the way, you know what you find? You don't find the Bible. You don't find God ever having any grandkids. 
You know what that means? That means this. Nobody gets to heaven off the coattails of anybody else. Listen, I'm not saved. I'm not going to heaven because my parents brought me up in church. I'm thankful for that upbringing, but I'll be honest with you, I've known a lot of people brought up in church that one of these days are going to split hell wide open. You know why? Because it never was real to them. The reason I'm going to heaven is because what happened to me on September the 13th, 1989, as a nine-year-old boy, I made the personal decision to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Amen? That's why I'm going to heaven. Why are you going to heaven? Can you look back at a time where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you ever been born again? By the way, folks, just like we all have physical birthdays. We had two people in this room today that celebrated a physical birthday. They were born so many years ago, this date, amen. The reason they're here, because they were born physically. Listen, if you want to be in heaven, you've got to be born spiritually. Amen. Physically, I was born April 26, 1980. I don't look that old, do I? Amen, all right? Uh, 1980, that's why I'm here physically. But the reason I'm going to be in heaven is because September 13, 1989, I was born spiritually, amen. It's called a spiritual birthday. It's called being born again. So let me just encourage you this morning as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit's working. If you're not saved, hey, listen to me. If you don't know for sure that you have a spiritual birthday, won't you get one today? Amen? And why don't you uh, 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 put belief and put your faith in His resurrection so you can have part of our resurrection? And then last of all, let me give you this, church. Amen? For those of us that are saved, as a Christian, live your life with His resurrection power. Now I'll be honest with you. This point could have been the whole message. But this wasn't the direction God wanted me to go today. But let me just read a couple verses to you. Make a couple points and we're done. Romans chapter 6. Listen to these verses. Listen, man, these are good. Therefore, we, talking about people that are saved, are buried with Him by baptism into death. By the way, when we, when we baptize, that's a picture of something. Amen? It's a picture of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The baptismal waters have no saving power, but there's some, uh, some semblance there. We are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let me tell you what happens, folks, what it means to God. When you get baptized and you're coming up out of that, well, you, know what the, you know what you're saying to God? You're saying to God, God, I'm a Christian now. Guess what? My life's different now. Guess what, Lord? I'm going to now walk in newness of life. It's a new life. It's a changed life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. You know what that's called, church? That's not called being perfect. That's called living a victorious Christian life. And you know why we can live victorious as Christians? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of what He did, that same resurrection power that God used to raise Him from the dead will now help us in our life live a life that pleases Him. So let me get real pointed again. Amen? Let me, let me, let, me, let, me uh, uh, let the Holy Spirit make some application here. Alright? As a born-again Christian, are you walking in newness of life? Is your life different because of the resurrection of Christ? And, and can people look at your life and know something's different about you because of the way you live as a Christian? Or hey, you just blend in with the world. Come on folks, God didn't put us here just to kind of blend in and kind of get by until one of these days He comes and snags us out of here. Oh no! He He put us here as Christians, hey, to make a difference in this dark world. Amen? To make a difference. You say, preacher, how different should I be from the world? As different as light is from darkness. You know why? Because of the resurrection power. 
that you say, well, I just can't do it. You're right. You can't, but God can through you. Listen, when we say we can't, all right, you know what we're really saying? We're saying we don't want to. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is made available to us to live a victorious Christian life. Amen? So here's the, here's the application this morning. If you're not saved and you've never uh, uh, trusted Christ, get saved today. Amen? As a Christian, if you are saved, live your life with the resurrection of power of Jesus Christ and be the light and salt He wants for us to be. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Lord, we